Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Nick Herberton, who's a freshman admissions counselor at the University of Minnesota. Nick, how are you today? And welcome. I'm great, John. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I am doing great. It is an honor and pleasure to have you here today. So, Nick, let's get right to it because I want to hear about the University of Minnesota. What is it about the University of Minnesota that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Yeah, great question. So one thing we're really proud of here at the University of Minnesota is that we really are one of the only Big Ten institutions that is located in the center of such a major metropolitan area, you know, that gives students an abundance of career opportunities right in our very backyard. We've got about 16 Fortune 500 companies alone in the metro area, so that just gives students a really great opportunity to join a thriving campus community, but they still get that traditional college town feel, um, and it kind of gives students the best of the both worlds with that. Um, with that, you know, the Twin Cities also has a really vibrant music, art, theater scene. Uh, we've got the third highest per capita theater seating in the U.S. right after New York and Chicago. So students get the opportunity to catch a show or concert and really enjoy that student life that we've got to offer here. Uh, but if you're more of a sports fan, we've also got all seven of the major sports leagues in the cities. Uh, so you can just hop on the light rail uh, to get into the city right away and enjoy a professional sporting event. Um, we also have eight freshman admitting colleges, um, so that's a really great thing for students since they can know coming right to the university that they'll have access to the programs and resources that they want to pursue here, um, you know, rather than needing to come into a general college and then moving into a different college. Uh, they can start with their major right away um, or explore other options as they complete their general education requirements. 
uh, to kind of just briefly highlight some of those programs. I know um, earlier, John, we had talked about our engineering program. So we have really strong biomedical, mechanical, chemical, uh, computer engineering programs um, that actually have built-in mentorships with Fortune 500 companies around the cities um, and access to some laser cutters, water printers, and 3D printers for students to get in there and use. <laughs> Um, also have the uh, College of Biological Sciences, which is uh, one of the only two colleges in the country solely dedicated to biological sciences. So it gives students a much more in-depth opportunity if they're interested in the organic sciences. Um, Carlson School of Management is a really strong business program. They actually guarantee that all students get to study abroad to really make sure that they're coming into the uh, workforce ready to work with an international market. Uh, our School of Nursing is a really strong program as well that gives students direct track into nursing with passing um, the nurse registration exam on the very first try. About 90% of our students are doing that. Um, College of Liberal Arts, really strong career readiness, one of the top institutions for psychology, sociology, and other social sciences. Our College of Education and Human Development, uh, they really work strongly in terms of physical therapy, sport management, and other education programs. Um, College of Design, strong programs there as well. Um, some of our biggest achievements have been having some work done with NASA to develop materials for space exploration and developing stuff like Fitbit smartwatches. Um, and then last uh, but not least is our College of Food, Agricultural, and Natural Resource Sciences, where they really work to tackle some of the world's greatest challenges with climate change, food security, and all that kind of stuff. So I just always like to highlight those really strong variety of programs um, and it showcases all the things that students can have access to here um, especially since we are an r1 institution which means that we're ranked and considered a doctoral university partaking in a really high level of research so students can really get involved in that in any field that they can imagine um, with 90 percent of that research that's being done within the state of minnesota happening right here on campus um, and then also just you're going to get that, that nationally recognized education, um, as well as access to a really strong learning abroad program if students are interested in that. Um, and also just our greatest kind of statistic we think is that we do think students find great value and success here on campus. We've got about a 93.5% first year retention rate for our students, um, with the national average being 71%. So we really do know that students feel that they have that success and community right when they arrive on campus and can find a sense of belonging, even though it is um, quite a larger school. So there's just a lot of great things going on here at the university, and we're really excited for students to be able to kind of come see for themselves. Well, that's a terrific introduction and overview, Nick. Thank you so much. It really sounds like there's something for everyone at the University of Minnesota, Big Ten institution, study abroad opportunities, internships, research. And of course, you mentioned that 93.5% of the freshman class returned, which is an astonishing statistic. Again, it's credit to the work that you do in admissions, but also to the university for keeping the students on campus and happy. So Nick, speaking of the campus and the students being so happy, could you give us a little bit more insight in terms of life on campus outside of the classroom? Yeah, definitely. So um, to kind of get started, I mean, we've got, so the University of Minnesota Twin Cities um, is located pretty much in the heart of the Twin Cities, uh, but we do have that campus split up into three kind of sections. So two of them are in what we call our Minneapolis campus, which is separated into the East Bank and West Bank, uh, essentially just separated by the Mississippi River. And then about 10 minutes away, we have our St. Paul campus. 
Um, the really nice thing I think that students find that we have these three different sections is that uh, the East Bank campus is going to be our most urban. It's the largest section, about 85% of our buildings and just research areas are located right there. Um, and then as you move to West Bank, it's still kind of urban, but a little bit quieter. So you can kind of get away from all the noise a bit. And then you head over to the St. Paul campus, which is actually where that College of Food, Agricultural, and Natural Resource Sciences is. And it gets to feel a lot more suburban and almost rural, but you're still only about 10 minutes away from a downtown area. So that's a thing I think that students really enjoy is that no matter what environment and kind of vibe that they like to have on campus, they do have access to here, even though we are in that urban spot. Um, like I know personally, I was also a student at the university and in my time there, I always liked the fact that you were still on campus, you knew you were on campus, it didn't kind of feel like you were lost in the city, but you still had really easy access to get downtown. Um, and that's kind of what you're talking about with that life outside of the classroom. And there's lots of ways to go out and go see shows, go see a sporting event. Um, lots of different concerts come through. I know uh, the Jonas Brothers were here. We had like the NCAA tournament. Super Bowl was here a few years ago. So lots of stuff is always happening right in the Twin Cities. And it just gives a lot of access for students to go out and explore all that life has to offer. Well, we appreciate that overview. And I also appreciate the fact that you explained that within 10 minutes, you could be in a suburban, rural, or in fact, an urban environment, which I think is extremely unique to the University of Minnesota. So thank you so much for that, Nick. We really appreciate it. And Nick, I was curious, how many applications do you actually review a year? And do you represent a specific region? Yeah, that's a great question. So I specifically am the Illinois Recruitment Coordinator and Freshman Admissions Counselor. So primarily I work with students coming from Illinois, but I actually am stationed in the Twin Cities. So I still get to work with students who are visiting campus, you know, and they're coming from all over Minnesota, all over the country, and sometimes um, globally as well. Um, for Illinois students, application-wise, we see about 3,500. So, I mean, not that I read all of those ones myself, <laughs> but I do work with quite a, a good number of them. Uh, our admission staff actually consists of several teams, um, and we have our national team, which primarily focuses on recruiting students from out of state. So that's where I fall with Illinois. Um, but we also have regional positions in the Northeast, Texas, West Coast, DMV area, um, as well as just the general Midwest. Um, but then we also have different teams of counselors representing the parts of greater Minnesota, as well as the different colleges. So that really big team kind of helps us read through those applications when we do have tens of thousands coming in. Um, and being able to really make sure that we're giving the students' application the time of day to make the best decision possible for them. Understood. And Nick, what are some of the things that students do to demonstrate their interests in the University of Minnesota? And do you track such things? Yeah, good question. So we don't track anything in terms of what if they're showing interest for an admissions decision. However, we do just kind of keep track of interest points in order to make sure that they're getting information from us consistently as they work through their college search process. Um, but things that that would include would be, you know, attending a campus visit, attending a college fair uh, or a high school visit if you have a counselor visiting your high school throughout the day, um, or then even always just giving us a phone call. We'll like log interactions, engage a student's interest based off of that. So those are the main things that we're tracking in terms of being able to make sure that we're keeping in touch with students who are interested. Um, but when it comes down to that admissions decision, we don't utilize that information um, for deciding if they're going to be coming here or not. 
Understood, Nick. Thank you so much. And what is the average profile of the current freshman class? Yeah, so um, I'll kind of touch on this a bit later, but I just want to preface that by saying that we do a holistic review process. So none of these factors within this profile are going to be a make or break for decision. Um, but in terms of those academic factors that we look at for holistic review, um, we have our middle 50th percentiles, what we normally uh, show out to students, and that has their core academic GPA, typically at a university level, ranging from about a 3.5 uh, to a 3.95. Um, that does vary by college, depending on the space and resources that they have available. Um, and then we are test optional, but if a student chooses to submit a test score, we're usually seeing ACTs ranging from about a 28 to a 33, um, and with those new SAT scores from about a 1330 to a 1480. Um, but like I said, we do admit about 25% of students who fall above these numbers, as well as 25% um, below. And then just to kind of add on to that, I know I mentioned that, you know, that differs by college. Um, so... For example, School of Nursing is our smallest college, um, and therefore they're the most competitive. So we'll usually see those students coming in with a GPA ranging from more a 3.8 to a 4.0, um, in contrast to the College of Liberal Arts, which is our largest college, they're going to be more of a 3.4 to a 3.8 range GPA. Understood. And thank you so much for sharing that data. We appreciate it. And Nick, I did read that you do, in fact, have an honors program. How are students considered for the honors program? And for example, do they have to apply separately? Yeah, that's a great point. So um, when a student applies for admission to the university, they're automatically going to be considered for three things, which is the admission itself, um, merit-based scholarships, and then admission into the honors program. So there's nothing extra that a student has to do if they are interested in applying into the honors college. Typically, we'll see that about for the students who are admitted into a college, it's going to be the top 10% of those admitted students who are offered admission um, into the honors program based off of those academic factors that we were just talking about. Um, but if a student isn't admitted into the honors college for their first year, they do have um, a pipeline and access to reapply uh, at the end of their freshman year um, based off of some of their coursework that they've been doing during their time at the university. So there's still that opportunity to get involved in the honors program, even if you're not invited um, right off the bat in year one. We appreciate that, Nick. And in terms of the application, do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript, or do you recalculate using your own metrics? And if so, any insight that you could share with us would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, so we do review all types of GPAs that are provided to us, uh, but we also calculate a core GPA. Um, so that kind of shows us what that GPA translates to in terms of Minnesota's scale. Um, so, you know, several GPAs might be reviewed on one single application file, including the high school's weighted or unweighted GPA, in addition to that core calculated GPA. So we don't really look at just one score. We'll kind of look at a few on that. Um, and we don't prioritize one over the other. It's just to kind of help give us that holistic um, viewpoint of a student to ensure that we are admitting um, based off of preparedness to academically succeed here at the university. Um, I'll also point out with that, that, you know, when you have that core calculated GPA, um, you do have the ability to look on our um, middle 50th percentile that I was talking about, and those numbers are the ones that you'll be seeing on there. So those aren't going to be those high school ones. That's when we recalculate it. Understood. And Nick, what are the different ways a student may apply to the University of Minnesota? 
And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? Yeah, so we have two different application options for students. Um, we use the common application as well as our in-house, which is called the Golden Gopher application on our website. We really don't have a preference on what students use, um, so it really comes down to whatever is more convenient for them. I'm sure other people you've met with on this podcast <laughs> have probably said very similar stuff, that the common app is just really something that I recommend to students to make it way more convenient for them when they're going through applying, especially if they're looking at more than one place. Um, and then when it does come to that, we've got three different uh, deadlines for applying. So the application opens in early August, and then students can start submitting the application anytime they want to. Um, we have two early action deadlines. So the first one is going to be on November 1, and the second is on December 1. Um, and then our final application deadline is January 1. So we do have kind of a pseudo rolling admissions process in which students who apply earlier aren't going to be considered any better than a student who applies towards the end. Our early action deadlines just really guarantee that a student's going to hear an admissions decision back by a certain time. So the sooner you apply, the sooner you'll hear back and have that time to really weigh your options. Um, and also I wanna clarify that we're not early decision, which is when it's more of a binding uh, application. So it's really just at your benefit to apply those early action deadlines if you wanna hear back sooner. Um, the one thing to note is that if you are interested in the School of Nursing, they have a set deadline of November 1. So if you're interested in that, just make sure you're meeting that November 1st deadline and not anything um, after that. Well, we appreciate the overview and the advice. Thank you again, Nick. And I know, by the way, that the University of Minnesota is, in fact, test optional. But Nick, can you share the percentage of students that apply and that are ultimately admitted that did not in fact submit their test scores? Yeah, so like you said, every institution is gonna consider those test scores differently. Um, but because like I was mentioning with that holistic review process, um, for us, test scores are not going to be used as a determining factor. Um, I usually tell students to submit those scores if they feel that it's a good representation of them and uh, as their work as a student, um, but they will not be penalized or reviewed any differently if they decide not to submit that. Um, for students who were admitted coming up this fall in 2022, we saw that about 50% of applicants decided not to submit a test score and the other 50% didn't. Um, so it really is a pretty even playing field when it comes to submitting that. Um, and we're, as of now, going to be remaining test optional through fall of 2025. So if anybody's listening to this a couple of years from now as well, um, <laughs> we'll probably still be in that boat. Well, we appreciate that, Nick. And does the University of Minnesota accept AP, IB, or dual enrollment classes for credit? Yeah, we do take all three of those. So um, for AP and IB credits, uh, students can find a breakdown on our website of you know what score that they would need to get on that exam, um, and then what course that that'll transfer over for them uh, here at the university. Um, same thing kind of goes for those dual enrollment courses, we usually recommend students use a website called transferology.com. Um, and on there, they can basically enter the University of Minnesota as the intended institution to transfer into um, and enter whatever institution they took some coursework at, and it'll tell them exactly what would transfer over. Um, I'll point out too that sometimes, you know, those transferology classes don't show up online. If that's the case, it doesn't mean that we won't take the credit. It just means that we're not aware of that class. So we'll need to review a syllabus. Um, but our departments are pretty good at trying to help students uh, transfer those over. 
Um, and we also do not cap the amount of AP, IB, or dual enrollment courses um, and credits students can transfer over. So as much as you've accumulated throughout your time in high school, you can feel free to send as much over as possible. Wow. Well, that's really good to know that you don't cap it. Thank you for sharing. And Nick, by the way, I will put a link to the Office of Admissions, of course, to the University of Minnesota in the show notes. If there are any other links that you want me to share, please just send them to me and I'll make them available to the students and the parents. Nick, how important are students' courses in progress and grades in their senior year? And what are you looking for when reviewing them? Yeah, that's a good one. So your <laughs> senior year work coursework is still incredibly important. Um, when you apply in the fall, we ask that you give us a list of the classes that you uh, have taken in high school and then will be taking during your senior year. Um, we actually do not take transcripts for your application and rather require students to fill out a self-reported academic record um, that'll give them a bit more control and flexibility on how they can apply and when they're going to do that. Um, however, after you do graduate from high school, we will require that you send us a final transcript um, for verification to make sure that all your coursework adds up and that your senior year looks to be on trend with the rest of your time in high school that we admitted you based on. Um, we're also looking, obviously, to just see that that student did graduate high school. Um, and basically what we're looking for, and that is, you know, if we notice dramatic drops in grades um, or lots of withdrawals or failures in certain classes, we may need to rescind admission. So we do really encourage students to keep working, keep up that rigor of their coursework and just try to make sure that you're still demonstrating all the academic success that you had in previous years. Well, we appreciate that. And thank you for explaining that the students, in fact, fill out the self-reported academic record. But once they graduate, you do compare it to that final transcript. And you mentioned that in some cases, students' uh, admission status has been rescinded, which I hope all the students and parents are listening to because it's very important to keep putting that best foot forward, not only in 9th, 10th, and 11th grades, but also in that senior year. So thank you so much for that, Nick. We really appreciate it. And of course, the college essay is another big piece of the overall application Nick, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? And what advice would you give a student as they sit down getting ready to start writing their essay? Yeah, definitely. So our application actually does not require an essay, um, but students are more than welcome to submit one and we will give it a full consideration when we're making our decision. Um, like without giving too much like detailed exact content in essays, um, I would say that generally the most impactful ones are the ones that share something that we can't really see from just looking at your application. So I know some students might think that they want to write about a subject that they're really passionate about, but if you've gotten straight A's in that subject, we can already kind of deduce that on your application that you're really good at that subject. So we want you to share interests in your essay um, or things that you really enjoy as a, like a hobby or a subject. Um, but we also think it's great to share stories about obstacles you may have had to face and overcome. Um, I'd say that those are always the most influential in my opinion, especially because uh, we use those letters and essays as a supplement to the application to share any contextual factors that you might want to share with us. Um, and with that, I'd say the biggest tip is just to remember that the people who are reading that letter or essay and that application are people that haven't met you before. So if there's anything that you want us to know that isn't explicitly listed on that application to make sure that that's where you include that on there. 
Um, I will also note that for us, at least, um, the essay, if you do submit one, isn't used as like a writing test to see how well of a writer you are. Um, we can, again, kind of deduce that based off of your grades and like li literature or English classes. Um, but it's more so just for you to share anything that you want to share with us and really let your personality shine through. Well, we appreciate that. So understood that the essay is not required. But in fact, if the student is going to submit an essay to really write about something that's going to help make their personality, their character shine through. So thank you so much for that, Nick. And of course, the teacher letters of recommendation are obviously another piece of the application. Nick, what are you looking for in terms of helping to enhance an application from the teacher's letters? Yeah, definitely. So again, um, similar to the essays, letters of recommendation are not required. But I, figure, we do I give figured it, that, Nick. I figured. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we do give them that full consideration. I know when I was applying, I still sent some over. Um, and I think that they're always going to be something that can definitely enhance an application, um, even though we don't necessarily require them. So usually I'd say that the letters of recommendation that I think have stood out the most to me are the ones that maybe come from a teacher who the student was in their class and that student maybe struggled particularly in that class. Um, but getting a letter from that teacher helps us understand what may have happened in a class that a student didn't do so well in and, and gives us a better look at their drive and ambition. Um, so being able to share those stories or also letters from a extracurricular coach or sponsor of a club, um, something that will really tell us more about the student outside of the classroom. Um, and again, share more about their personality and how they'll contribute to our campus community. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing the example. And Nick, do you offer any services for students that may have had an IEP in high school? And if so, can you explain? Yeah, we do. So the university has an amazing on-campus resource for students through the Disability Resource Center. Um, students are able to work directly with the DRC before even arriving to campus uh, for classes so they can set up any accommodations that they might need. Uh, before going through that stressful maybe first week or two when they're trying to get acclimated to what college life is like. So um, how that process works is they'll meet with an advisor within the Disability Resource Center, and then letters will be confidentially sent to professors or TAs, laying out basically only what the accommodations are, not why you have those accommodations, but just what's needed. Um, and we do that because we really want to prioritize student success on campus. And we do realize the importance of having um, these resources as well as tons of other ones available to students so they, they can make sure that they've got all the resources and success that they need to them. Well, we appreciate that, Nick. And this has been a tremendous conversation with a lot of great information about the University of Minnesota and, of course, the overall college application process. So in closing, Nick, what are your top three pieces of advice you would give students and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? Definitely. That is a good one. I myself was a first generation student, so I would have definitely appreciated all this <laughs> advice possible. So the first one I would say is always fill out the FAFSA, um, regardless of if you even think that your family will qualify for aid, just fill it out. Um, the sooner, the better when it opens up on October 1st. So at Minnesota specifically, merit-based scholarships are possible, but they're also quite competitive. We see about 40% of students receiving any kind of merit-based uh, scholarship package. So that said, the FAFSA helps students and families find even more options to cover those costs of college, whether that be uh, with need-based aid, loans, grants, or just other scholarships from the university. 
Uh, the second piece I would say is to take your time to really think about what it is you want to gain from your college experience. Um, we recognize that you know every student has different priorities. For me, when I was looking, I knew I wanted to be in a more urban area and within the Big Ten, which for me made Minnesota an amazing option. Um, but I understand too that not everybody's going to want to live in a city. So really do take time to think about what you really want as a student. Um, my best piece of advice to figure that out is to visit campuses, go on those college visits and really get a feel for what your life would be like living on campus there. Um, here we do offer tours all throughout the year um, and we'd love to have you up here uh, anytime over the summer, winter, spring, fall. Come check out all the seasons in Minnesota, see how much <laughs> it can vary. Um, and then my last piece is, you know, when it does come time to make that decision in the spring, treat your final decision like it was your first decision. You know, I, I always tell students, no matter where you do end up, I think you'll find success and happiness at that campus. Um, I know, you know, in your senior year, when you're looking at colleges, it's a really overwhelming process. You have thousands of choices to look at and you just never know where you'll end up being. Um, but the very last thing that you want to do is to arrive at campus in the fall wishing you were somewhere else. So just make that decision when you do and start to get really excited about it. It's, it's going to be the start of an amazing next couple of years in your life. Um, you know, we'd love to see you here at Minnesota, but we also want you to be happy and make the choice that's best for you. So really do just go into that process and be confident in your decision. Well, Nick, those are great pieces of advice and tremendous insight. I cannot thank you enough for being with us today. I am so happy, as I know this conversation is going to help so many students and their parents navigate through the college admissions process. Nick, we hope to have you again soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.